welcome to the Discotech podcast. Today we have Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hi. Heather Ray. Hi there. And Lewis. Hi, Lewis. Hi. How are you? I'm fine. Good. Hope everyone's good. We're going to talk about episode four this week of Lower Decks and our thoughts. And I'm just going to jump right in and we'll talk about the cold open first. It's this cute scene with Ambo Jitsu. Am I saying this correctly? Ambo Jitsu? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, which I feel like I remember from TNG. Mm-hmm. So yeah. who can give me like a brief? Because I haven't seen this episode since I was a child. So can someone give like a brief uh, history of this in TNG? Because I just kind of recognized like it's, the gladiator style. <laughs> it's like, only in that episode with Riker's dad, right? Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's what Riker and his dad used to play. And apparently his dad, like it turned out his dad was always cheating, which is why Riker could never beat him as a child. Uh, Riker Sr., maybe not the best. I also don't remember. I'm realizing I don't remember what that man's first name is. Yeah, that's uh, names are my weakness. Title names and character names. (laughs) I'm constantly doing the friends like the one with. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just say Riker's dad. Everybody, everybody will know. Yeah. I mean, I definitely got a picture of him in my mind when you said Riker's dad. Mm hmm. Um, but yeah. Oh, Kyle, Kyle Riker. Thank you it, to Alex Perry of TrekCore, whose article I am skimming facts off of. Uh, I think I always forget because it like uh, Will's like, like Riker's name is like William Thomas. And those two like very formal names. And Kyle seems like very different than those two. So it feels like they should. Yeah. It seems odd for a Kyle to name their son William. I have no real logic to that. No, he's the casual Riker. I mean, after (laughs) all, he did. Well, I'm just going to stop there. Like, you know, had sex with Pulaski. It's definitely a thing, right? Um, It's turned into like such a bit like jokey thing that I see it more as like fan reference stuff than I ever watched that episode. Because the dad, like for him being in like one episode, the dad's kind of like, not super consistently like characterized because even in that episode they're like he was an absentee father and then Pulaski's like oh he could never commit because he was too devoted to you and I was like he was barely there for Will that's the point of this episode <laughs> like I don't understand Star Trek's bad dads yeah only that's why Benjamin Cisco is like I have to be the best father in the world I was gonna say at least we have Cisco <laughs> yeah <laughs> So yeah, it's basically uh, Ambo Jitsu is just like a blindfolded combat game um, okay. that we saw then, then like in that Icarus Factor episode of TNG. Kind of feels like, do you remember the old, I feel like there's one now, but like the old American gladiators, they yes. had like big tooth, like not toothpick. Um, they look like Q-tip. Yeah. Things oh, like, yeah, like giant Q-tip did that once when I graduated high school, we had a thing called Project Graduation, which is like a bunch of like events in a lock, like a uh, uh, like a lockdown. That's not the right word. Um, like lock in. Lock in. Yeah. But we had like that. It was something kind of similar. And then later in the night, we were all exhausted and no one was on it. And we fell asleep on it for like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it was like inflatable. So it was like sleeping on an air mattress. Oh, yeah. That actually sounds nice. So. In this episode, we have Rutherford, Boimler, and Mariner go down to this planet to protect these 
wild beasts, which we'll just get into right now. They have a rich history of their name. <laughs> Who wants to tell the story? Mugatu, Mugato, Gumatos. <laughs> yeah, evidently all are accepted pronunciations. Yeah, so so technically when this episode... Um, Okay, again, I'm just going to read this from, from Alex Perry over at Trek Core. Um, but the episode that first introduced the Mugatu, which was a private little war, the animal was called the Gumato, Gumato. But DeForest Kelly kept mispronouncing it and calling it Mugato. So the rest of the show dialogue was changed to match. So it's super funny that like that gets called out later that all of those, I think it's by Patingi or Boimler, like when they're talking about it, that all of the pronunciations are acceptable. And uh, it's just funny that that's based off of a real life thing that happens uh, and kind of a, a very obscure Trekkie joke that most people probably wouldn't get at all, just us nerds. That's very hilarious. Nice. That kind of reminds me of the... Uh, Brent Spiner assuming like data would be data until like Patrick Stewart <laughs> said it first and he said data and they're like, ah, oh, we're just going to go with data. Yeah. <laughs> I did not realize that. That's interesting. Uh, Brent Spiner is convinced that that's what like, because data is the more common pronunciation now and Brent Spiner's like thinks it's his fault. <laughs> like, interesting. Well, in Spanish it's data because that is uh, how we say that word. It never changed. Oh, really? So in the Spanish version, they say it that way? That, data, yes. Even in Picard. Oh, interesting. That is interesting. Because, yeah, that's just... So they didn't carry it through. Yeah, that's just a word that has multiple, like, pronunciations in English. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. some, like similar to, like, Caribbean or Caribbean. Yeah, true. Caramel. 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 <laughs> that's very controversial. We might need to edit that out, so... <laughs> make people mad <laughs> yeah um so mariner is suspected of being section 31 i love the part where she's doing the little knife the dagger thing between her fingers and like, she doesn't even know what they're thinking at the time this is just her being her natural self <laughs> in the background <laughs> destroying the table so i've gotten back into star trek uh obviously within the past year and watching discovery um, as it's coming out and going back now and watching DS9, I don't remember any episodes about Section 31 prior to Discovery because that's when I started paying more attention as a fan. What what all are they referencing with Section 31 there for people uh, maybe like me who don't know? Eventually in Deep Space Nine, I'll say, Marcy, you will come, there will be a, at least a Section 31 episode. Okay. They referenced... Um, Voyager, uh, Tuvok and the Maquis? Yeah, so Tuvok was not part of Section 31. That was a whole the premise of Voyager is Tuvok is uh, undercover on a Maquis ship and when it disappears, and that's why they go in the Badlands looking for it, and both ships get swept out to the Delta Quadrant. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that Tuvok was undercover. Okay, so that was just a reference that somebody, like, that Starfleet would said somebody undercover. And then, so Section 31 is Starfleet Intelligence, but extra secret. And kind of dark. Like, yeah, not quite James Bond. Well, it's where Giorgio is, so it's a very gray right. area. Um, but, you know, definitely leaning more towards humanizing our villains 
because I guess there, there are worse villains out there. So, yeah. And I, I think that in enterprise, it kind of get, it doesn't, there's something with like the future guy that's connected. I feel dumb even bringing up that reference when I can't remember everything. Um, Enterprise the show I know the least about. Okay. So I can't. Yeah. I, I know that it goes there. like in the books, there's a book about control um, in section 31 and Bashir. So it's kind of, they're definitely playing with it. And I thought that it was funny that this episode flat out called all that stuff out because it's all things I see on Twitter <laughs> like every day mm-hmm. that real fans are, are, you know, are playfully arguing about. Um, so again, it's just like fans making fun of fans, which I adore from this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Tendi is learning to be more assertive is her arc this week. And it was really cute. She goes around trying to get scans of everybody who hadn't come in for their medical examination. And she spends the entire episode in super creative ways. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of episode in Discovery where uh, the one character is struggling to use his little personal transporter and he's popping up in all these little places that he... (laughs) you know, that he shouldn't be, but she was, she was supposed to be there, but yeah, she does like this. They're like on a holodeck surfing and she grabs a scan and it's just really cute. It's, it's a lot of fun to see the different rooms they had and different things they were doing on um, the Cerritos. Um, I really liked Tendi's storyline. I think it was like a, uh, a, like it worked really well as a B plot. I thought. Yeah. Cause the other one was a bit dark, so it was (laughs) nice. There, I'm just like, I just had this thought of the other one. And I was like, oh my God, these poor animals. <laughs> like, I don't feel too bad for them. They were interesting. I mean, they're a little vicious, but <laughs> they were. And so, evidently, one of them bit shacks. Yeah. Or a yes. horn. It got it horned it. it hor- okay. <laughs> stabbed it. it stabbed it. Horn. It horned it. Horned it. <laughs> While watching that scene, this was me figuring out like, oh, Shax is not going to die from this. And I, I thought, we, but I did have this thought, would it be really funny if Shax just died again right now? Oh, God. <laughs> like he just came back. Uh, he turns into the, the Kenny. I was going to say, exactly. is Shax going to die at the end of the season again? I hope not. Um, <laughs> but if they do be- and they do it funny like i i love the actor i i want i love the character i don't want to lose that but if they want to kill him yeah. off at the end and like make a joke out of it that's fine too yeah it'd be like in the flash um they have a new version of the character harrison wells every season i don't watch the uh, flash so i don't know but that sounds pretty great basically they didn't want an actor to leave even though they had written him as like the main villain of the first season so they uh but he had taken over someone's identity so they keep just meeting the like person whose identity he took over from other universes and then he just comes for a season okay (laughs) is it like a quantum leap sorry sorry i'm like all like that's quantum leap well (laughs) um it's more like it's like a multiverse thing like okay so it's yeah all right. I'm still learning about multiverses because of Marvel. So fair. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to get very turned off by the whole idea of multiverses. Um, Just thought, well, if it doesn't, you know, then the story doesn't matter. It doesn't ever matter. It's not interesting. And so I'm learning with Marvel that like, it can still be fun, even if the story doesn't affect the whole 
the big picture. Mm-hmm. So yeah, making progress wow. as a viewer. Um, <laughs> so Mariner sucked the uh, the venom out of Shaxx, which she was being a really good friend there because she got really gross. Yeah, that was... She went all in. Yeah, I remember seeing that image. I was like, what am I watching? Yeah. I had this thought of, if this wasn't animated, this would be terrifying to see. Yeah. Although I think that a lot when I watch Lower Decks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Ambujetsu scene would probably be terrifying and not funny if it was live action. Mm-hmm. They definitely can get away with things in this format that yeah. they, they otherwise wouldn't. So Mariner was captured and Boimler and Rutherford used their skills uh, that they've been perfecting using this game um, of like learning a compromise to teach the Ferengi how to earn money using these creatures, but in more of like a fun, family-friendly zoo experience rather than killing them and selling them for parts. I mean, I'll be honest, I would probably go to the, the zoo. <laughs> so I'm just like, I mean, I like the zoo a lot better than when I watched the little Mugatu getting taken away from the mom. Yeah. That made sure. me sad. Yeah. I'm being whipped and terrible things like that. We don't like that. Yeah. That's not very Star Trek. No, no. I loved the little Ferengi sweater. It reminded me so much of Cork in DS9. <laughs> It's like, as soon as he showed up, I was like, look at his sweater. <laughs> My husband's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, a weirdo. Like, what? I saw this tweet that cracked me up so much. It was Sarah at um, Protect Icarus. You ever watch Star Trek and get excited when they make a Star Trek reference, even though you know you are in fact watching Star Trek? And I was yep. just like, that is Lower Decks so much. Yep. Yep, it's the it's the best kind, and I think mm-hmm. sometimes some of the comments that I see on and off, like I feel like reminding people don't take this show too seriously. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. like this show doesn't take itself seriously. There's never been a Star Trek like this before. There's never been a mature audience, adult cartoon like this with profanity yeah. and um, this was probably one of the the uh, this pushed the envelope the furthest on this episode with some of the content, but everyone that I talked to, that includes people that did not like this episode at all, still wound up laughing about it, which I guess that's the point at the end. Like if yeah. you're laughing in a, in a good way, I don't think there was anything about this episode that was just like too much, but it is one that you'd probably watch before you have your kid there sure. for, for several there. reasons. But I feel like I... For any a show marked an adult comedy, I would watch ahead of time before I showed Daddy Child. Yeah. They yeah. they did warn before the episode, it did come up that that reference was going to be in there. And I kind of inwardly groaned because I was like, oh, what are they going to do? <laughs> and did make sure, you know, to be prepared mentally for this. So it wasn't my favorite joke. And I did message Lewis and I was like, I don't even know what I want to say about it on the podcast. <laughs> like, I don't even want to talk about it. Yeah. So we don't have to like discuss it too much because we do try to keep, and this is my little spiel. We do try to keep our podcast family friendly because I know people listen in the car with kids in the backseat. So yep. yeah. Um, we yeah. won't go into it too deeply, but there was a mature reference and you know, it, it may not be your cup of tea and not every joke is going to hit with every person and that's okay. Yep. 
I think it's fair to, to kind of put it out there to warn people, but at the same time, like, you know, it is a mature audience show. So right. mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, we're all adults. Right. And that, yeah, that was the, the whole idea. So we'll move on. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the captain makes a bad deal with uh, one of the traders that was down on the planet. And I probably loved this the best out of everything which is interesting because the captain's plot line is normally not my favorite, but she puts a, like something shady goes down with this guy and his little craft and she puts a tractor beam on him and his ship starts falling apart. And there's this cute little line, like what kind of, like you the put tractor a tractor factor? beam. Yeah. I yeah, used the lowest factor. tractor factor. That was great. That was probably one of my favorite lines from that episode. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like I laughed the loudest about that because I don't think we'd ever heard it referred to that way. Nope. Yeah. No, but I'm like, oh, I'm using that from now on. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So uh, he comes aboard and he's eyeing the stuff and he takes everything out of her office and uh, her husband notices that all the stuff is missing and um, but it's just really cute. And of course, they find out this is a scam that he runs to get like a new ship and everything. I want to know what like all of those things mean to Captain Freeman. Yeah. Especially the pineapple. Pineapple so random. That is really. Yeah, probably means less to Captain Freeman and more to a writer or someone. <laughs> and that, that's true. I did see something from not someone who works on the show there um, that like with the pads that they did back for the Klingon acid punk stuff, like they had they, they were based off Klingon, but they didn't like get super, super accurate about the translation which I appreciate mm-hmm. because again, like there's so much that goes into the show just to put it together. Like we don't need to get like pinpoint specific about everything. Like mm-hmm. it's still just a fun show. Um, but I, I definitely wonder like what all that stuff is and why. And then I'm reminded like, don't think too hard, Heather, you'll be up all night making up stories. <laughs> <laughs> and then read that it was oh we didn't really care about that it's just there for the heck of it that part was a throwaway yeah. oh i also this is from the scene with the bartender uh the joke where uh with like is like mariner if that's even her real name because i had the thought is it her real name why doesn't why doesn't she have the same last name as her parents yeah yeah i thought for tendy's entire arc that she was mariner was going to be the person at the end with the um uh the number instead of a name i thought that was going to be mariner because she was undercover and that's how her file looked to mm-hmm. their system uh... i thought and i'm thinking they probably did that on purpose so we would i totally bought in she definitely is section 31 <laughs> um so i was completely fooled and i love that i figured she, well i figured she was it because the the idea with section 31 they're like well, it's just a like cover that the captain's her mom. And I was like, well, we've seen them interact. The captain's definitely her mother. That's true. If she's not, they've been keeping this. Uh, they both need to go to, for, to therapy for how like ingrained this is into <laughs> their head that they are mother and daughter. Yeah. Um, there was a cute little scene with uh, two characters on the 
planet, the, um, I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, Denobulans. Yeah. Okay. Um, where they blew up their faces, just like Fox does in Enterprise. <laughs> yep. That was I great. That. that was one I of the few Enterprise episodes that I've seen. So I was like, oh, I recognize that. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yep. I also like their conversation before. It's just like, ah, Rakitagino is too strong. Yes. <laughs> currently going through ds9 and i'm like i get that reference i really loved um patingi when he was like i've got five books on mugato and you know <laughs> i'm the expert on mugato and then he's like no i've read five that, books that i fell for i fell for i was like oh he's like star trek steve Irwin. oh no that's not what's happening nope <laughs> nope it was funny it was definitely funny though that was funny oh. lewis you caught before we started recording, you were talking about the canon at the mm -hmm. end of the episode. Yes, I think that was a reference from Arena, the TOS episode, where Kirk uh, make a handmade canon for defeating a Gorn. But mm -hmm. this time it's a hollow projector, I think. I have a picture with a replica of that canon somewhere, I think. Or I have a picture of someone holding it from a convention. Oh, it's pretty. Yeah, it's always something fun to find in the in the wild of the convention scene. Yeah. I also remember that. Uh, I don't know if you watch uh, Galaxy Quest, the movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think they have a, a scene where the captain is making something like that. Yeah. I have to go back and watch that movie. It's been so long. I want to, um, I always want to watch Galaxy Quest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really into Star Trek and uh, one of my favorite actors of all time is Alan Rickman. So it's like the perfect combinations. True. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I need to watch it just for him. So also the Ferengi energy whip uh, was from TNG last outpost and also showed yes. up in DS9 uh, Ferengi love songs. So that was kind of interesting. I always forget about those, the Ferengi whips when they show up. I'm like, oh yeah, that's weird. It doesn't really like yeah, that's pretty um, obscure. That's one of those references that like I like you like I just totally forget about it. And then there it's in an episode and you're like, what? See, I think I'd like kind of like when I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, they did have whips. But um I, it's not something I like if I was describing a Ferengi to someone, it's not at all what something I would have brought up. Yeah, no, I totally I totally missed it. So yeah. Feels more like it would be at home in the uh, Star Wars universe than Star Trek. I think it's a holdover from when in TNG they're like, the Ferengi are going to be our big villains. Oh. <laughs> All right. So just to finish off, we'll talk about um, our favorite parts from this episode. We've kind of hinted around and, you know, different things. But uh, Lewis, why don't you go first? What was your favorite joke or Easter egg from this episode? I think I will choose the Patangi dialogue. When he says, I'm an expert because I read five books. <laughs> I don't know if this is a joke for people in, especially on the internet, that they say, I am an expert because I read or I watch. Yeah, I think that's probably intentional. And you had mentioned another part that I thought was funny, too, where the bartender was like, I hear a lot of inside information. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, we find out it's just Marin or making up rumors, which also feels a little intentional towards certain certain types of people on the internet. Absolutely. 
Well, I was going off that. I think my favorite part is uh, I really love that bartender. I hope he comes back. Yeah. There's a little conspiracy. And I loved hearing his boss, like, off thing being like, oh my God, do your yeah. job. <laughs> he had the best, like, like that little bad guy villain voice. I mean, yeah. vaudeville, whatever. It was, right. it was pretty great. He like started like a mix of like a villain and like an old school reporter. And I was like, yeah. I'm really digging whatever this is. <laughs> I loved how this inexplicable shadow shows up on his face. Like <laughs> there is no shadows like this in this ship. But all of a sudden when he goes into his little spiel, like his face is covered in, you know, mysterious shadows. Uh, Heather? There was also towards the very, very end, because that game that, Boimler and Rutherford were were playing was um, Diplomath or no, Diplomath. Diplomath is what it was. And Mm -hmm. so it like at the very, very end, I thought it was really nice that Mariner actually kind of gave the nod to them that, you know, she likes to be in charge and she likes to do things her way. But again, you know, teamwork, sometimes it helps when you let other people do what they do best on their own um and in somewhere at the end she was like and this all happened because of the power of math (laughs) and that's something that was said in discovery i think by tilly or someone um so i thought that was a cool little link between the series yeah that was cute i kind of want them to make diplomat into like an actual game that can be played totally um, maybe I say that as someone who now works at the game store. Yeah. <laughs> Tag that Trek Unlimited vendor person because they seem to be making a lot of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That would be a fun idea for sure. Would it be fun? I really can't tell from <laughs> watching the episode. Maybe. It would teach us all to compromise better. It reminded would me. Would it be fun? I don't know. Necessary? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> It reminded me of that episode of uh, Parks and Rec where he makes the cones of Berg. Mm-hmm. What are yeah. the cones of Dunshire? Dunshire, yes, the cones of Dunshire. And I don't know why that's information that lives in my head all the time. <laughs> I didn't need to Google. That. I love that you pulled it out of nowhere. Yeah, because he's a real big nerd, so it just felt mm-hmm. like playoff, like what we all know what you know nerds are like in real life. So yep. I thought that was that was cute, and then how yeah. the accounting firm loved it. <laughs> Oh, I was, I brought this up before we recorded, but the, like one of the, like the third time I was watching the episode, it occurred to me that Mugato is also the name of the villain from Zoolander. And I Googled it while we were talking before. And apparently it's because he's named after the Star Trek thing. And I find that hilarious. And I love that. So it's fantastic. Yeah. I love finding uh, Star Trek references in the wild. Yeah. Apparently Ben Stiller is a giant Star Trek nerd. Well, I think we'll leave it there. And um, it was good talking to everybody again this week. I hope everyone has a good week and yeah, enjoy the next episode and we will meet back here. Talk about it again. Sounds good. Can't wait. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Thanks everyone. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.